told you this morning uh, in class that we would continue our study of God, and this is somewhere probably about our 10th, 10th, uh, 11th lesson, somewhere around there, uh, concerning the character of God and all the attributes that we've studied concerning God to God. And tonight, I want, uh, I want us to turn our attention to the Godhead. We've heard that mentioned and studied probably throughout the years, and having a good understanding of that um, is, is, I guess, pertinent, I would say, to uh, understanding how uh, the different parts of the Godhead uh, are individuals, but are as one, we could say, as we often say in what Scripture points to. So we've established to the study the existence of God and spent a considerable time studying his nature and the character. I hope that we are convinced, and I believe most of us are, that God is truly the one true God. And we can never be too sure to instill in our young people that fact that there's one God and one true God. So tonight I want us to turn our attention again to the Godhead. What is the Godhead? The Bible does not specifically or give a specific term for the trying, triune nature, if you will, of God. We'll be using the term Godhead through the study, um, and often you'll hear people use the word Trinity uh, concerning this, but actually the word Trinity is not in the Bible. Um, though the original concept of that term, uh, as, as the state is not in the Bible, has some error with it, and we need to be aware of that, and we'll look at that as well. But we want to describe the biblical concept of the persons of God. While God is one, yet he is three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In my study and reading uh, for this topic and, and preparing this lesson, I come across one uh, article, and I thought it was uh, fitting to, to maybe add it and insert it into the sermon. And it states this. The simplest, best, and most traditional definition of the Godhead is that God is one in essence and three in person. To put the doctrine in complete terms, the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. Yet, at the same time, the Father is not the Son or the Holy Spirit, 
The Son is not the Father or the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not the Father or the Son. The term Godhead is found three times in the King James and the American Standard Version, two times in the New King James Version, and the verses referenced with that, the word term Godhead, if you'll turn with me to the book, and we'll look at those, um, those verses, is in Acts chapter 17, in verse 29, where the Bible reads, For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. That's one reference of using uh, the word Godhead. And as the King James, American Standard Version, and New King James uh, uses that, also will re refer to the divine nature often in reference to the Godhead. Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9. Each of these verses address the nature of God in some form or another. And all three are different, though related words. None actually deals with really specifically with the number of persons that are God. Now, with all that said, you may, it may be clear as mud to you. But there's a lot to think about when you think about the Godhead. It's really difficult sometimes for people to wrap their head around. And I believe this is one topic that a lot of people sometimes struggle with. To be able to understand that they're all in one, but they're three different identities. And I think sometimes that's hard for people to wrap their, their head uh, around that thought. What about the doctrinal errors and concerns? Of course, in this series, we would have to take each doctrinal error and discuss it individually in its own lesson, be honest with you, there's not enough time to really discuss those doctrinal errors of each one, but we would like to make mention of them. There are mentioned uh, in this lesson to simply make us aware of the division that exists on this subject, because there is some division on this subject throughout the different beliefs. And I believe an examination of the truth actually does dismiss uh, these things and that division. The oneness doctrine is one of the divisions. The oneness doctrine teaches that there is only one person in God. And this is taught by our friends from the Pentecostal, Pentecostal groups, uh, though not all of the Pentecostal people would teach that thing, that one doctrine, that one way of belief, that there's only one person in God. The other is the Holy Spirit is not a person. It's some other era. 
Some teach that the Holy Spirit, rather than being a distinct being of the Godhead, is simply the essence of Jehovah God. And there is a debate uh, whether Jesus and God are different persons. Other thoughts on that is Jesus was a created being. Now we find these things um, in other uh, doctrinal uh, era that they believe and it's taught by our friends from the Jehovah's Witness. Jehovah's Witness will teach and believe that, and Mormons as well, and some other groups to throw in there, believe that Jesus was the first created person or, uh, yeah, and is not God, but rather given by the Father the characteristics of deity. That's what our friends from the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witness uh, will teach concerning that subject. Now, the term, as I mentioned earlier just a moment ago, the term Trinity, again, is not found in the Bible. Many people will, will, will use that term loosely, and uh, they'll say it's a biblical term, but it's not found in the Bible. But therefore, while we use the term sometimes, we need to make sure that when we do, we define what it means because it is not, again, universally understood the same way throughout uh, different beliefs. God is three persons, plurality, meaning more than one. The word God is often used, again, as in a plural sense. When you go take your Bibles and you go back to Genesis chapter 1, <clears throat> you're very familiar with the passage. But Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now, when you said that, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. You go on to verse 26 and it says to us, and God said, what? Let us, there's that plurality, make man in our image after our likeness. And I let them have dominion over the fish in the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So we see that plurality in verse 26. When you go on over in the book of Genesis in chapter 3, we see in verse, um, verse 22, the Bible reads to us and it says, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us. Another plurality. To know good and evil. And now lest we put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. If you move across the Old Testament on into the book of Isaiah, in chapter 6 and verse 8, where Isaiah writes, and he said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. So we see in the plural sense, referencing more than just one person, in the Godhead. It is in the New Testament where we find emphasis on the three persons who make up God. 
And there are several passages that mention all three of those persons of the Godhead. One tonight was our scripture reading in Matthew 28, <coughs> excuse me, and verses 18 and 19, many times known as the Great Commission. And let's reread that together. Where it says, and Jesus came, verse 18, says, saying, All power and authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of what? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now there we have the three Godhead, don't we? Not just one like others would teach. But we have the mention of all three. So you say, a lot of times, we say, well, what does this really matter? We need a true understanding of this topic for the very reason that a lot of times we'll find ourselves in a religious discussion. We'll find ourselves discussing with people when we may hear error. And we have the responsibility to always have what? An answer for the reason of hope that's with, within us. Now you think about, again, another passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14 where it mentions all three once again. It says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. So we have another reference of three mentioned in the Godhead. Moving on, or back over into Matthew chapter 3, and verses 16 and 17. When he had heard... For when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water at our Lord's baptism. And behold, the heavens were open to him. And notice what he's saying. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So we have a consummation of all of those scriptures. All of the three of the Godhead. Well, what about one God? The reason there is such a debate often is because of numerous passages that speak of one God. Now, I really want, want you to really <coughs> tune in because there's a lot of passages that speak of one God. And this is where a lot of our friends from denominationalism will take and say, well, right there it is. There's one God. It talks about one God only. But there must be a further discussion. There must be a further uh, study to determine what those things actually mean. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. Speaking concerning the topic about just one God. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4 says to us, the Bible reads and says, Hear, O Israel, 
The Lord our God, the Lord is one. So we have that passage of speaking of the Lord our God is just one. When you flip into first, the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 4, it says, Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idol, Paul writes, he says that we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is no other God but one. There we have another reference. Now, sometimes you need to make note Make a mental note or write it down. That the reference to one God is distinguishing the Father. As we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 6. In Ephesians 4 and verse 6. But often it is simply identifying the unity and the purpose of the Godhead. Now that's key. To one God. Those of our friends who believe there's just one of the Godhead, one God because of all the scripture, need, as I said, that we need to go into a further discussion, a further study to understand what that meant when it said one God. So sometimes in situations in the Bible, it's simply identifying the unity and the purpose of the Godhead. Because the one thing we all need to understand, when we speak of the Godhead as three, we need to know that they are unified. They are one in the Godhead. They're all things united, though three distinct persons. John chapter 10 and verse 30 says, Jesus said, I and my Father are one. You see, there's where it is in Scripture. John 10 and verse 30. And John, <clears throat> John chapter 4 and 34, and then later on in the 16th chapter, note that both Jesus and the Holy Spirit intended to do the work of the Father. We have a separation of the two, and they both intended to do the work of the Father. So we have two different persons, if you will, that have made a decision or has made a statement that they will do the work of the Father, which is another identity of the Godhead. So when you think about the Godhead, always know the statement that will always, I say, save you or always, not literally save you salvational-wise, but in conversation, is that there are three, but are as one. And if you'll never go wrong when you make that statement. There are three different identities, but they are as one. All one in one, one Godhead. John chapter 17, in verse 20 and 21. Our Lord prayed. Now notice what it says. Let's read that together. In the book of John, chapter 17, 
in verses 20 and 21. Notice what our Lord prayed in this passage. Verse 20 reads, it says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Verse 21, That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. So a good illustration to illustrate all we're talking about, we see our Lord's prayer there. And him saying, let them be one. Notice how we as his disciples are to be one in him. It does not mean that we merge together and become one person, but we are united to the same degree that Jesus is one with the Father. It is in the sense that God is one. All who, who comprise the one true God are united. So with all of that said, the Godhead actually consists of three distinct beings. Now the second thought I want us to look at for a few moments is that both Jesus and the Holy Spirit are God. We've already established the Godhead, the persons and the identities that make up the Godhead, the three identities that make up the one Godhead. But Jesus is God. Very familiar passage to every one of us. Many of you probably could even quote it. But John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You see that in verse 14 in that same chapter. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld the glory, the glory as of, uh, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Those passages establish the fact that Jesus is God. Philippians chapter 2 verse 6. He did not consider it robbery to be equal with God the Father. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. Jesus is God. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 8. But to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1 says, To those who have obtained the like precious faith 
with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Now I found it interesting that something that would be very familiar to us is the word Emmanuel. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23, we see that word, Emmanuel, which is translated what? God with us. So we can safely say tonight that Jesus is God. And we can safely say tonight as well that he is not the Father nor the Holy Spirit. And this is established by numerous passages that make a distinction between them. Jesus is not the Father. 2 John verse 3, Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. A separation. In the book of Luke in chapter 23 and verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And when you consider that Jesus prayed in the garden, in John 17 and verse 1, he says, Father, the hour is come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you. All those passages give us what? A separation. Two identities of two different persons of the Godhead. So Jesus is God, but Jesus is not the Father, but also Jesus is not the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. It talks about in John 14 and verse 26 how the Holy Spirit would be sent in his name, Jesus' name, by who? The Father. So again, we see that separation of the two different identities. So one says, again... The Godhead is made of three. One Godhead, three different identities. The Holy Spirit is God. Holy Spirit is God. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? We see the account in Acts chapter 5 and verse 3 and 4. Would Ananias and Sapphira both lied? And Peter said there to them in verse 3, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to who? The Holy Spirit. And in verse 4, he goes on and makes another separate entity and says, Not only have you lied to these, to the Holy Spirit, and not only have you lied to men, but to God. The Holy Spirit is referred to as a person rather than an impersonal force. That's seen in the many various 
emotions attributed to him. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 says that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. It says the Holy Spirit loves in Romans 15 and verse 30. It can be insulted in Hebrews chapter 11, or excuse me, verse 10 and verse 29. The Holy Spirit has the ability to reason and to act. He can lead and he can send others out. We find that in John 16 and verse 14. He's referred to as a person by the pronoun he in John 16 and verse 13. And when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you the things to come, and he will glorify me. For he will take care of what is mine and declare it unto you. And again, in the sense of a separate identity, he is not the Father nor Jesus. So as we look tonight at many passages, we see the Godhead that is one, but it's also three identities. And again, sometimes it's hard for us to wrap our minds around, around that. And, and in this study, I've had to read things two and three and four times for my little minute brain to be able to figure it out and to make sure I understand it. And sometimes I wonder if I still understood it the right way. Continue to pray. That's the thing. That's my hope. Is continue to pray to rightly divide the word of God. You know, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 28. He speaks of our inability to say the right things when we pray. Paul notes that in such times the Spirit intercedes on our behalf. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 18 says, For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. So tonight, with this said, this has not been a sermon to, I guess, convince someone to come to Christ. But you know, this process that we've talked about, the Godhead, Is a process and to know that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Jesus is our intercessor. He's our mediator between us and God. And there are three that make up the Godhead. And but they're all in one. They're united. You know, I'm thankful that I serve a united God. A united God with the Holy Spirit and His Son. That he has, our God has had the, the ability to put things together the most correct way. Because God did it. Because God knows what's best. There's a lot of things in the Bible and these topics like this are sometimes difficult to understand. Of course, would not 
Some people say, well, I've got to understand all that before I can become a Christian. No, you don't. You need to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And you need to be able to repent and confess his name and to have those sins washed away and to become a member of the Lord's church. To have those sins washed away. But maybe that through that you sin. Maybe you said done things that are not according to the will of God. And you need Jesus to be a mediator. You need the Holy Spirit to intercede between us and God. To carry our prayers in the right way to God. Maybe you need us to pray for you and with you tonight. Whatever your need may be, think about the condition of your soul. We may not always, familiar, always understand all of this to a total T, but I do. I know I serve a God. I do know that I serve a God that loves me and cares for me, who wants me to go to heaven, who wants you to go to heaven and live eternally with you. Remember, heaven is a prepared place for prepared people, and we have to be prepared. So tonight, if you're unprepared, we encourage you to come while we stand and while we sing.